0: cowabunga dudes it's the untitled film project podcast with justin bradford jeremy gopher and myself jim chandler it's teenage mutant ninja turtle time mutant mayhem this time around the amphibious reptile brothers must beat back an army of mutants and win the adoration of the people of new york city we're brothers we fight together We're just getting started. Yeah, she sounded like a leader. I do? Oh, I do. Oh, I sound like such a leader. And you ruined it. Plus, as we always do, we ask the big question. And we're going to stray a little bit because we've just been staying in the movie world. We're going to take a look at what's going on in the world of publishing, in the book world.
1: Hold hold your hats, everybody. I know it sounds really riveting, but hold on.
0: In the ever-growing genre known as... Dinosaur romance novels. We'll play a game. Is it a real dino erotica book title or not? We promise you'll love it. This is a different side of book talk that I never thought we'd be on. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just like test this with you guys first. This is just something a preview of what is to come. Uh, the name of the book is Having the Dinosaurs Baby. Is it real? Is it a real? Dinosaur romance novel, or is it made up? So, is this the prequel to Velocipaster? Um, <laughs> That's the I did, I second
1: Velocipaster <laughs> reference on this <laughs> <thing>. <laughs>
2: uh, and I kind of
0: hate it, actually. Uh, is Velocipaster
2: out of the shadows? I
0: think uh, the Velocipaster would have maybe fathered the baby. This is having the baby. So, oh, okay. Velocipaster would have come before. So, so this the sequel. Yeah, it's, Se- it's, okay. this would have been the result of that romance. Um, so
2: Pastor, it... look who's talking now
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly
1: <laughs> three men and a Velocipastor
0: <laughs> having the dinosaurs baby uh, Jeremy K Gover is it real
1: uh, we're doing this now yeah this is, this is for, uh, I, we're just... I, I think it's real because I think you're trying to establish I'm overthinking it okay. I think you're trying to establish the concept of this game so I do think it's real yes
2: Justin Bradford uh, I think it's fake you use AI to generate <laughs> <laughs> Because Jim's been delving into the AI space a lot.
0: Having the dinosaur's baby is real. And it's spectacular, from what I've been told. Oh, I was about to uh, say. I've not read it. I've not read it. So that's a, a little preview of what's coming up after we talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Let's get our initial takes. Let's we'll start with Jeremy Gover. Go
1: I went into this <laughs> hating that there was another mutant ninja turtle movie. We are—I'm so, so over it, you guys. Okay, I'm so <laughs> over it. When I grew up, right after I grew up. Okay, so it's—we're talking like maybe I missed it by four years. The okay, mutant ninja turtle craze. Okay, four or five years. So it wasn't in my wheelhouse. But obviously, I had a brother. You know, shout out to Ryan, and he loved. The Ninja Turtles. He was a Ninja Turtle for Halloween back in the late 90s, right? You know, all, all that stuff. So I was familiar with it. And then I started to collect the comic books, like the Eastman and Laird comic books, like the first probably, I don't know, 20 I think I had at some point. But then there's like a show that comes out. And mm-hmm. There's a cartoon. Then there's a movie re-release. Megan Fox is in that movie. And then there's a and then they do a sequel for some reason of that. Didn't do well, but let's do another one. So they do another because it's a cash cow. So Seth Rogen's like, "Oh, I'm going to you know, I'm a perpetual teenager. Seth Rogen's going to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle." I'm like, oh, re- "Really? Do we need this? Who's asking for this?" <laughs> it was awesome. Those are my initial thoughts on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. They turned you. I
0: they can't d- believe it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I never had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle phase. I, it doesn't matter at at whatever point they would come out with another, you know, (laughs) incarnation of them. And there was another craze, you know, and that, that kind of roller coaster of popularity, it just always missed me. Right. So it was like when my, my, when I, I missed it as like a person who was a little too old for it when it came out the first time. And then it didn't hit when my son was a certain age. So I of course seen, you know, stuff from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I was not a fan or anything. They were just a thing. It's impossible to
1: miss, Jim. That's
0: how much crap
1: there is. Yeah,
0: exactly. If you haven't seen it, you've probably been unconscious, right? (laughs) Yes. So I went in with fresh eyes, and uh, I got to admit, I pretty much enjoyed myself uh, for most (laughs) of this movie. I, I had a good time. Initial take, Justin Bradford. I am the target demo.
2: For this, born in 1983, completely grew up with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just being the pop culture of pop culture for kids my age, as an elder millennial. To whereas the movies came out when I was seven, eight, nine, target demo right there. The cartoons where different fast food joints had their VHS mm-hmm. tapes, the cartoon on television, the toys. I had so many TMNT toys. So for every time they missed me, they hit you. They hit me. Okay. and so I I love growing up. Secret of the Ooze was one of my favorite movies growing up. Not the first one. The first one is actually kind of dark when you think about it, but which I, which I liked. Yeah, which should inform the age difference. A yeah. yeah. little bit of age the difference yeah. there. Where Secret of the Ooze was more campy, yes. a lot more humor. They kind of they dived right into the personality types of. The characters even more towards just stereotypical what you think of these characters nowadays that established it with secret of the use and then three was meh and then you went a long time like go over it without having it but they came out with tmnt the animated one in 20 uh, 2007 and i really enjoyed it because they still stroked the little bit of nostalgia but it just didn't match their live action then they came out with those live action ones which were disappointing overall. Just the CGI with it was weird, Ooh. how they're trying to make it more realistic. It's like we, we didn't want that. We, we liked the turtles we got in the early 90s and the costuming for that. We liked that version of this, and they couldn't figure out how to do the live action. And so this is almost similar to Spider-Man, where you can do so much more with animation and have fun with it. Why Spider-Verse, think of how popular it is, what right. they're able to accomplish with an animated movie, especially superhero stuff. So this one, I didn't necessarily have high expectations. I was looking forward to their take on it because we've seen so many origin stories redone from how many different superheroes, right? We've seen origin story after origin story. (laughs) Spider-Man has done it over and over again. It's like trying to see a different take on it. This one wasn't necessarily an origin story. It was more of a let's go back and kind of take it, do something different with an origin story, which I appreciated very much. My overall take was I loved it because it stroked the nostalgia for me but also used clever and witty writing to introduce it to a new audience. And that t- is something to accomplish when you are basically targeting millennials that mm-hmm. have children because you want both parties to f- fully enjoy themselves. And with their use of nostalgia with hip hop music, with references, with using Gen Z language that is very popular on TikTok, yep. they hit every single thing that you need to hit to make a full family. Enjoy this film. They referenced TikTok. And they referenced TikTok. They referenced so many different slang terms from Gen Z right now that makes me think, how, how long ago is this movie written? Because there are things that are happening now in pop culture <laughs> that happened right. in this movie. And you think of the, the lead time that you need. It shows how far ahead of the curve they were. Or maybe they did a couple reshoots or redone for scenes. But I loved it because it is going to strike such a great nerve with people because they're going to go, this is relatable right now. They're using language that we use right now on TikTok. And then adults are going to love the music in it because they're hitting so many things. They even reference some of the live-action movies. They reference the video games. Yep. They hit the nail on the head with making this for a fully general audience to just fall in love with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. They're going to sell so much merch <laughs> from this. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Just like with Barbie, it comes down to they're going to sell so much. Yes, But they really did a very good job in this. And I think it's because a perpetual teenager, Seth Rogen, being a writer, being a producer, being a voice, that he cares about the product too and wanted to put something out there that people are going to enjoy. That's not just a money grab. Of course, it's about making money. But you want to make people feel entertained and feel they're included in the process of this to really appreciate the product that they're viewing. And you can tell that it was a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that was very much involved with this project.
0: So let's go a little deeper into what we liked and didn't like about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Let's start with Jeremy Gover. I loved the Easter eggs.
1: What are the best Easter eggs, you guys? Just just blanket statement, all movies incorporate.
0: What are the best types of Easter eggs? Uh, The best ones are, I think, if you know, you know, and you really enjoy them, but if you don't, it's, they still make sense to the story.
2: It doesn't distract from the story. Yeah. The new, right? I was going to say the ones that have money in them, but it's a different kind of Easter egg. That, that uh, but different. I, I definitely agree is. with you. It's
1: different. <laughs> Good candy. answer, though. Candy. points for the answer. Uh, yes, you're right. So these were that, right? Ice Cube's character, the stock with the flood, the main villain, right? He comes in under the heist. And the first thing he says is.
0: Six in the morning, police at my door. And it was just
1: I burst into applause. Your laugh, I, I, yeah. Nobody um, else man. is laughing because nobody else gets it, and that's fine. I got it. No, I was okay. sitting three seats away from. I you. I know, but my point is, there, <laughs> there, there was nobody joined me in the in the applause. Is what I'm saying. It was great. It so, was great. So therefore, it was just like a. Really, it was really cool. Those kinds of things. My son, actually, that's a bad example. We probably will get. It, actually. <laughs> Most kids won't understand that reference. So, but it's not distracting to the movie not not just at a, all. It makes it sense work. the scene. It works. Yeah, the the Vanilla Ice clip when they break oh, into man. the van and it's
0: Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go!
1: Oh man, Ninja Rap from the second from the Secret of the Ooze, right? This again, so they're gonna they're gonna find that funny because it's Ninja Ninja Rap, right? And they're ninjas, and that's like, oh, that's fine. They're gonna have no idea that movie came out in the mid '90s. <laughs> vanilla Ice is It's just those kinds of things were so fun. And it made it even more enjoyable for me because Bradford's right. He put it perfectly. That's why I applauded you on screen earlier. Oh, because I don't remember exactly how he said it because it was, it was way more eloquent than I could ever say. But my summary is they touch on every age group. They yeah. bring they bring it to every single age group. It's one of the things we've celebrated about the Muppets back in the day. right? Mm-hmm. Parents yes. would watch it with their kids. And the kids would be laughing because Fozzie's saying something stupid. But what he's really saying is an innuendo, something the parents get, and they can get the enjoyment out of it as well. And that's what we see here with Mutant Mayhem. We see a lot of that. So for me, my deeper dive is just the fact that I love the Easter eggs, because they fit perfectly. The language that they use, the references that they use, they're singing. Uh, spoiler alert! It's just, it's not really for the plot, but it's for a joke that's really really funny. So I hope you see the movie, all right? You should if you've listened if you're listening to the show. But they're singing BTS's "Butter" yeah. at one point. I mean, hilarious! Yes, things like that. Like it's just so funny. My parents, if they go see it with my ex- kid, will not get that joke, but they'll still laugh because they're singing in this bad situation. That part's funny. Mm-hmm. But my son will laugh because it's BTS. So. It and then I mean the writing was. Great. I hate to say
2: this about a Seth Rogen project to be honest, but the writing was great. Yeah. It was great. I mean they're throwing out the lingo and everything too. That's yes. the big thing for me is I I'm, I really love TikTok. One, I try to stay up with pop culture. Day job is very important for me to understand what's going on in social media. Sure. Social what's going on with society and pop culture references. Jim understands that very yep, much yep. as well too. So when Leonardo drops a line about having Riz.
0: That uh, made laughed. me
2: lose it. I laughed out loud. Because I'm going, that is a term that most parents aren't going to get, but kids are going to be like, ha, ha, ha Leo just mentioned Riz. Right. Which so many people are going to be like Googling. What does cool. Riz actually cool.
1: mean? I will, add, I will add one more thing to that. The memes. Yeah. When, yes. she, when she shows that she threw up on camera and oh, it's a flashback, yeah. she goes, I was memed. And they showed an example of like, that. Right. My son should. is going to eat that Puking scene live Puking
0: Yes. Right. You know, a gif, repeating gif yes. of, the, of her throwing up, of her hurling. Uh, I thought that was great. I also loved, like, and I'll credit the the writing here, too, uh, that they talked the way teenagers talk, yes. okay? And it wasn't yes. just, like, using the right words. It was, it felt like... All those lines were natural. Like, this is how people interact. They're a little over each other. They're firing back at each other. Mm -hmm. They're not giving, like, you know, or calling it out when somebody's, uh, you know, really done something like, oh, wow, I'm a leader. Uh, You just kind of ruined it by saying that. You know, like, that's what friends do. So it felt very real and relatable, the way they interacted as characters. And it's, the big thing for me is that they cast actual
2: teenagers to yes. do the voices. Uh, one of them, uh, Brady Noon, who played Raphael, he's actually one of the kid actors. I mean, he's a teenager, so one of the teenage actors who was in the Mighty Ducks mm-hmm. live action on Disney+. Plus. And you, then you have uh, Nicholas Cantu, who has done so much voice acting. He was the voice mm-hmm. of Leonardo. So you you had young actors doing voiceovers that already have some chops, when it comes to just being on screen, but voice acting something very different. But they had chemistry, This the talking over each other. They sounded like teenagers. After the first trailer, people were going, what's up with their voices? Why do they sound like that? Because they're teenagers. Like, they, they sound like kids, because they're supposed to. They're not supposed to sound like adults. That was one of those things. It's
0: the first word in their Teenage. name.
2: <laughs> Whereas yeah. the live action ones, they sounded more like adults, even though they're supposed to be aged as teenagers. They made this more relatable to, this is how teenagers act. That's how teenagers have acted since the beginning, when you think of it. They're just right. they're still developing the, the, the friendships that they have, the brotherhood that they have, fighting the with hormones. each other, bickering hormones, uh, referencing so many things that do with puberty as well, too, which parents will laugh and understand some kids may or may not, and that's totally okay. Like They, they perfected the writing with this to where you're going to have parents and children laughing at different times, and that's completely okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I loved that the first time they ever meet a human girl (laughs) and they're like falling over each other to try to impress her and make a good impression. And it just felt like that's honest right there because they're going to make a fool of themselves. They're going to overdo it. All those things that, you know, when you go through puberty, that's how it is. So I, I, I just found that to be like dead on. What about the animation? Because I really was impressed with uh, what I saw, like kind of a a different incarnation of the Spider-Verse, you know, Mm -hmm. animation, that that part 2D, part 3D, uh, but yet it was its own. um, And it changed throughout, like especially if you go from different times uh, when, you know, They were, you know, uh, first exposed to the ooze. Uh, (laughs) It had a different look than present day. Mm -hmm. So I thought they did a beautiful job of that. It looked great. The animation did look great. And I will say that if this comes
1: out before Spider-Verse, it takes a lot of gusto away from that movie. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. Please don't get it's not the same do not get me wrong i'm just (laughs) saying that the styling is similar enough to the common eye that it's not your traditional disney animation that's what i mean and it's not even a computer generated traditional computer generated pixar animation it looks different and so my point in saying that is that most of the viewing audience will see spider-verse and tmnt mutant mayhem in the same let's call it ballpark Sure. It's not the same, but they're, oh, okay. It's they're, kinda, they're adjacent. Right, and so I think whatever one came out first, of course, this is Spider-Verse, and it's a much better film, okay? But I think if this one beats that to the punch and to the box office,
2: uh, we're, it may get a higher score from people. That's how cool it is. Yeah, right? I love the animation style. And I love how we're seeing different looks at animation, and not everybody's trying to copy Pixar anymore. Because mm-hmm. yes. for a time, you had DreamWorks and even Sony doing a little copycat of Pixar, because that's just where it was. That's where it was going to with computer-generated well, graphics, right? You always, graphics, you always right? try to get to the, right, yeah. the sets of the bar, And right? then Sony figure out a different way mm-hmm. with Spider-Verse. Yes. Like, we're going to take it a different way. Taking a lot of cues from anime and Japanese animation yes. and, and taking that into account for what looks good or what audiences want nowadays. For instance, I don't like the way that Disney animates Mickey and Friends right now, but that I understand that's also very much what today wants because those shows do very very well when targeted towards children but it's not the classic animations of the 80s and 90s that we're used to seeing with mickey and friends they just look very different nowadays yep i get it but this is a whole different level with what paramount's been doing with what sony's doing and it makes me wonder how pixar is going to keep up and change if their looks going to change at all right
0: so or are uh, they going yeah. to try to stay out of that
2: lane right because I, I like the feel of this especially for these Movies that have a comic book based type of aspect that it makes it feel like you're watching a comic book, and I know
0: people appreciate the graphic novelness. I, I behind do. That. I do like with Spider Verse and with TMNT that uh, there's a certain beauty that when I'm looking at the screen, something they've created with a computer, it still looks like it could exist physically, like that it was. It was either put on paper or canvas or they've got that element of it looks like it was created in the real world and we're just getting a really good look at it uh which i think is like really cool that we've gotten to the part of the technology where we don't want it to look super realistic right we want it to look stylistic yeah that's a great way to put it yeah absolutely Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mutant mayhem. Let's see where it lands score wise, and let's start with Justin Bradford. All right. So, what hit for me so much is that we even saw
2: video game references within this. Mm-hmm. Like, they slight changes. Baxter Stockman was a villain in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Two, the video game. He was the Fly. Well, here they made him the father of Superfly. Some nice little changes there. But the references to even how Superfly was killed. In, in the movie itself, being shocked against it was very video game esque. I, I really mm-hmm. loved the little references to that as well. You know, if you've listened to the show before, I'm one that typically prefers voice actors to voice instead of celebrities. But I feel like they had a really, they did a really good job with celebrities that they chose to voice certain characters because they're all character bits. There wasn't main on-screen times. because it was a very much of an ensemble yep. of, of villains turned good. Spoiler alert! So I, I did enjoy that because you could feel those actors coming through those characters as well, and they weren't just using their voice. Like Paul Rudd was not just Paul Rudd. He did come up with a voice for Mondo Gecko. Same thing with Rose Byrne. They came up with their own voice. Seth Rogen is Seth Rogen. He's Bebop like that's and that's fine right. that's totally fine to me so i'm usually against that but i thought it worked very well here and because while they are using the marketing aspect of some of these celebrities i don't think they're overdoing it like they would do with like the rock or kevin hart and a lot of these words like starring the rock right. kevin hart because there's too many to name yeah so i like they're still sticking to it's about the teenage mutant ninja turtles and these are just an added bonus and mm-hmm. that, that makes it better for me in terms of what they're trying to sell with this movie. I do wish they would actually market some of these the teens that are the main story in this because they're very, very talented with their voice acting skills. And I'm excited to see them level it up because I'm assuming there's going to be a sequel seeing as how there is a mid-credit scene, folks. Stick around. And we haven't teased it yet, but you can only imagine what a mid-credit scene for this type of film may or may not cover. So I really did enjoy the, the teens and, and their voice acting. I thought they did an incredible job, their, their, their composure together, their, their charisma together. Everything just works so well as representing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you felt those unique personalities that every is supposed to have come through with it um i like the indian as well where they are accepted and then and then they become they get to go to high school it's very different from what we've been seeing before too so it's a fresh take they're leading mm-hmm. this in a different direction instead of just oh we're going to have another way we're doing the turtles and it's the same thing you've always you've always seen again i appreciate there is a fan behind these projects there's total mega fans of teenage mutant Ninja turtles behind this and i appreciate that very much music having a fight scene to no diggity
0: Awesome.
2: Was awesome to <laughs> yes. I, I was jamming. Yeah. So that, that's where you can tell they get it in terms of who they're trying to attract and make love this movie. And to see it multiple times with Easter eggs, things like that. There's so much to enjoy about this movie. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. I think there's certain things they could they have could, slight adjustments, but that's not a huge knock on the movie. I think they did an incredible job. When expectations, I think, are actually meh. On it Because, like as Gover said, it's another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I it's think it's going yeah. gonna to grow in the hype as some people go and watch it and hear people talk about yeah. it, and then kids want to go. Because you think right now, there aren't kids' movies out. Um, Teenage Kraken didn't last that long in the theaters. Elemental flopped in the theaters, even though it still has a few limited screenings. So this is the, the next family film of the summer as kids are going right. back to school. So an opportunity for kids to enjoy, and overall it's safe. I will throw out, there's a few mentions of Damn and Hell, it's a PG movie. It reminds me of the 90s when mm-hmm. that was allowed in a PG movie. So it's just a language thing right there to understand. And then, But that's, that's it. I, I really did enjoy it. I had a fun time. I'm going to give it an 8.
0: All right. Well, I, of course, have uh, no prior Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle expectations going into this movie. And I didn't really know if I was excited to see it or not. But I was hoping... That since Seth Rogen was involved, that it was going to be comedy based and not, uh, you know, trying to be an action movie. And of course, there's all those other elements are in there. But I really wanted this thing to be funny. And it was funny. It's a comedy before, I think, any other category you could put it in. So that made me very happy. And, you know, and the comedy landed. I think the comedy landed because there was chemistry between the characters. Uh, so credit to the voice actors. Uh, I, besides Seth Rogen, uh, maybe I, I recognized Jackie Chan's voice and maybe one or two others. And but for the most part, it wasn't about the celebrity voices. And I really appreciated that because to me, that's a crutch telling you all the people that are in it. And and I think that's like a way of saying, oh, our story is not that great. So just enjoy it because there's stars. I'd rather have a better told story. And I thought they did it great. So I didn't even need to know anybody that was in it and still really enjoy it. I laughed. I thought it was so contemporary mm-hmm. and so much fun. It looked beautiful. Uh, and my only complaint would be the third act, which obviously is going to be the big fight with the big bad, right? For every every movie like this, uh, it f- that third act felt really long to me, really long, uh, and it didn't need to be. Uh, there was uh, there was a time, you know, where you're almost thinking the the turtles are going to maybe even get along with the bad guys. Like, they could be friends. And I thought that was a really neat thing. And then, nope, 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 they're really bad. And then it just seemed to be like (laughs) a really long battle. So uh, that's my major complaint. And if that's my major complaint, that's not too bad. So I'm going to give Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, a 7.5 from a TMNT virgin. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. It popped, Jeremy Govert.
2: <laughs> that so, was so
0: unnecessary. Really, do we need to? Well, maybe considering what we have coming up in our big question. It does. I fit. mean, <laughs> it's
1: on brand. This episode of you said it first. You started <laughs> the vanilla ice easter egg. Like I mentioned, uh, I loved all the easter eggs. The balcony that they retreated to when they met. East when they met uh, April. April was uh, I think it was club. Or whatever it was called, Laird was the name of it. I thought it was going to say Laird because that's a, you know, the East. Right. Laird, right? But it's, it was said Laird. And of course, Laird is Eastman and Laird, the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I always have a hard time saying that. The high school was Eastman, Eastman, Eastman High School. Uh-huh. So Eastman and Laird both taken care of. Uh, we talked about it, the other ones, of course. I will argue that the that Ice Cube was Ice Cube's voice. There was not a whole lot of uh, True. alteration there. Until the end when they threw him through
2: Mojo. We just haven't heard him as much. No, for which sure. I think is a pass because sure. he fit the role so, so well with his voice. So I think what mm-hmm. we found
1: here, because I agree with everything you guys have said on the voice actors. and like We always go to, we always talk about this on the show. Hey, vo- use voice actors, not big celebrities, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I agree with both your points, but I will say that I think we've stumbled upon a formula. It's okay to parade out this laundry list of stars to get you to go see the movie. As long as you look at the laundry list of stars on the IMDb page, and it's not the main stars, so you can yeah. throw out twenty names like they did. If you remember, you look at the trailer: Hannibal Burris, John Cena, Jackie Chan, Ice Cube. They're all blah 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 blah. Right? right? Rose but, Byrne, Post Malone. Yes. Yeah, but guess what? Was, none of those were the lead character. I mean, Jackie Chan is the supporting character because it's a Splinter. But sure. But the the four lead characters, the what the movie is about, none of those. People that they flashed on the screen were those characters, and I think that is going to be the successful formula going forward. Now we have a lens to operate where we go, okay, they're throwing ten names at me, right? What roles do they play? And if it's the lead roles, then we know, okay, this is probably going to be garbage, but or or underwhelming. I'll say that underwhelming. Underwhelming's good. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but if they're not the lead roles, we're like, all right, wait a second. We got some nobodies doing the main roles. Now we might have some here. So I think we've finally discovered a lens. Yeah, that
0: that, that could be the the perfect way to do it.
1: Uh, One thing I did want to bring up, I actually leaned to Jim and said this, because they were on their phones in their their beds, like, you know, what are we going to do, right? I leaned to Jim and I go, what cell phone plan are they using? (laughs) Because I want that plan. Because if you no, can, because they're turtles who are not aware of the outside. I mean, the outside world is not aware of them. How do they have a cell phone plan?
0: I see. I was I was looking at it as, wow, they've got all this rock and concrete between them and the outside Gosh, world. I'm like, they're getting good bars down there. Using, that's a great
2: way to think. I didn't think about that. They're using Cricket. Get over
1: it. <laughs> Is Splinter going out into the human world and buying them cell
2: phones? No, they probably went and got them.
1: Well, because they had airdropped it, they said that. So, I mean, it iPhones. <laughs> Had to be okay. So I'm just saying, how did four <laughs> turtles get and, and Splinter's got one because he texted emergency. They, they went shopping. They got yeah. Something happened there. So just just fake one names. This. And, and went, well, I know, but how do they walk into? It? They the went, humans don't know they exist. <laughs> are they walking into. Did you a not store? see them
2: go shopping at the store? They do it because they're ninjas. Yeah, they
1: stealthily do it. You can't yeah. sign up for a Verizon plan with stealth.
2: <laughs> okay, if Jack Bauer can pull off getting multiple <laughs> phones. Teenage Eat Ninja Turtles in an animated film can be. It's just a little caveat I wanted to bring up. Uh, Minus two points. No, no, no. The the bottom
1: line here is this movie is for everyone. Yes. Everybody can see this. Mm -hmm. This is a family movie that is disguised as a comedy. It's got tons of comedy, don't get me wrong, Yep. but it is a family movie. You can bring your grandma and grandpa to this, your five-year-old son to this, your 10-year-old daughter, the teenagers that you work with, The uh, your, your college buddy, everybody can see this, and everybody's going to have a great time, 7.5. Excellent. I, this is what I expected. This is great. In that case, it's a 7. <laughs> hey, shut up. <laughs>
0: All right, so we have a left turn, a hard left turn on the big question today. Uh, we are sh- shifting, yes, a prehistoric turn uh, oh. to the world of fiction and the ever-growing genre of books known as dinosaur erotica. This is real. They are oh, boy. truly real books. They take up entire sections of whatever bookstores are left, and you can look these up afterwards. But you as the audience and Jeremy and Justin, I want you to guess whether the oh boy. titles that I give you are actual dinosaur erotica books that exist in the real world. If you're watching on YouTube,
1: you'll be able to see the covers.
0: Okay? Yes. If you're listening on Spotify or wherever your other favorite podcast we
1: appreciate that. we hope to click like, subscribe, all the <laughs> time. But, but, uh, but you will not be able to see the covers, but you'll be able to judge by the title. So yes. remember, YouTube, you can see them. Spotify,
0: elsewhere, you cannot, but you can still play along. And just to make it a little more difficult, I created the covers myself. So they all will have a certain look to keep it from... So you can't just go, oh, yeah, well, somebody professional. If I had known
1: that. that, I probably would have changed my answer for the tease. <laughs> so what you're saying is... They're all amateur hour covers. Yes. Not professional ones to then therefore give away the ones that are real.
0: Exactly. Okay. So that that they're all of the same caliber of graphic design.
1: Can I ask one question? Sure. Are they the amateur hour recreations of the actual covers?
0: Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. So I took the titles, you know, went into (laughs) Photoshop and made my own artistic covers (laughs) forever let's check out jim's photoshop (laughs) abilities shall we all right our first title from dinosaur romance is how stega (sighs) got his groove back come on hey it's a movie reference (laughs) oh it is no way (laughs) how stega got his groove back does it count if we want it to be real is that <laughs> you can want all these to be that, real that, you write it uh, uh okay. so i'm gonna go to jeremy gover how steka got his groove back real title or not i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say you're hitting this with
1: that early because we're a movie podcast <laughs> it's movie related i'm gonna say no
2: justin so if this movie is this is this book is being based in like the Early Cretaceous periods or the Jurassic periods. I'm wondering if it's because that Stegosaurus basically went extinct because they believe he was he starved. So getting his groove back meant he had to find more sources of, of food. I'm curious as to what that would mean. This is not an archaeological novel. This is a this is a prehistoric. I think it's erotic novel, not archeological. <laughs> archaeologic. Archae- well, archaeologic. in order to survive to procreate, you have to be able to like eat. So, but I still think it's fake.
0: You still think it's fake? I think it's fake. How Stega got his groove back, available on Amazon uh. and your nearest book retailer. It is real. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now I truly don't know what to expect the rest of the way. <laughs>
0: this stuff will blow your mind. I thought I had it solved, Brad. My I thought one God. one one
1: title in. I thought I had it. solved. All right, oh let's see if
0: you can do God. any better on this one. Uh, this uh, is one based on one of the best predators uh, in movie I was and say one book of the best history. songs, <laughs> uh, and a classic song title. It's a riff on it. All my exes are T Rexes. An Emily Griffin novel. Is this a real dinosaur erotica title, or did I make it up? All my exes are T Rexes. You have to go. First. You know, she she just has a type. Justin, guys that
2: forget Arm Day. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten Arm Day for forty-five years. <laughs> You know, I just, this this just reminds me, uh, this is one of my favorite bits in a movie, and I think it's a very underrated animated movie, which is Meet the Robinsons. Yes. And it's the T Rex. Because the head is so big. He's like, I have a really big
0: head and really short arms.
2: <laughs> I just can't. Like I say, anytime I think of a T Rex, I think of just the T Rex that can talk in the movie doing that. I think it's fake.
0: You think it's fake. It does not exist in your world. What about you? Jeremy Gover, All My Exes Are T-Rexes, An Emily Griffin Novel. Okay, I'm going to say it's fake for two
1: reasons. One, okay. I think you know one of my favorite comedians is Eddie Griffin, and that's pretty close to that title. The author's pretty close to that. Okay. Uh, the other reason is because uh, I don't think you would do two real ones back-to-back unless they're all real, and so therefore I'm going to say fake.
0: <laughs> you are both correct. Oh, this yes! is, uh This is a gym creation. Yes. That All was. my exes rt Rexes. <laughs> I'd buy that song, though. It's, uh, hey, if anybody else out there writes that, <clears throat> they owe me Songwriter and a certain writer? country music writer <laughs> <Yeah>. some money. <laughs> All right. Next up, let's, uh, let's burn through these a little quickly. Yep. Uh, the next one we have is what? Brachiosaurus Built for Pleasure. <laughs> Brachiosaurus Built for Pleasure by Olivia Griffin. Is it ribbed? <laughs> I'm gonna leave that alone.
1: <laughs> I'll go first because Brett started time. it. I know.
0: The I'm, I'm gonna say that one's fake. You said this is not a real title. Yes.
2: No explanation, fake. So, if anyone's on TikTok and you've seen stitches on TikTok where it's the rescue worker that just zooms in and shakes his head and goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me believe this is real. <laughs> Brachiosaurus. I, it is very difficult to not be dirty. <laughs> real. I'm going real. Okay. I'm going real. So we
0: have a split decision on yes. this one. again, yes. Brachiosaurus, built for pleasure, is available at a bookstore near you. It's real. <phone rings> the cover is not and i don't know if you missed it there is that this brachiosaurus is wearing a small santa hat (laughs) way up there it's kind of hard to see i'll let let the camera zoom in ho 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 (laughs) i think you mean bro ho ho all right uh oh my gosh next up on uh dinosaur erotica why Uh, does this look like a cruise ad this is also based off a movie title, Wet Hot Allosaurus Summer.
1: I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go first. I'm just going to jump in front of you. I bet that's real.
2: If this is that animal kingdom replaces the dinosaur ride.
0: Wet Hot Allosaurus Summer, Justin Bradford by Lola F- Faust. Well, <laughs> it's disreputable.
1: Ilsa Faust is the, one of the characters in the Mission Impossible. Right. Maybe this is fake. Oh I, I've, my already goodness. Committed
2: to, I've already committed to real, but... It's, it's difficult to not try to evaluate the cover that Jim has made for <laughs> it, too. I'm going to go with fake. I'm going to go with fake.
0: <laughs> this is a real book. Oh. What right, Allosaurus Summer. I you that get that right. it right. Is and
2: it Summer Camp for Allosaurus?
0: Uh, I think it is. I, th- I think it's for, for Allosaurs and the uh, the... Women that enjoy them, or the men. And the
1: completely edited version that means nothing will be on TNT this summer. (laughs) What is the next one, Jim?
0: I was thinking showtime. The next one is... No, no, that wouldn't be edited. Taken by a pterodactyl. So this is a a bikini-clad woman on the beach with a pterodactyl circling and eyeing her up. Can you... I can't see the cover. Where taken? I? No, no, no. I, no, I, I can't, no, I can't see the cover.
1: Please tell me that taken is PT,
0: It is not. It is not. Oh, I, that's too I, th- bad. I think you're assuming a, uh, a level of authenticity <laughs> that maybe the readers of these books that's, don't care about. That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs>
2: taken <laughs> by the pterodactyl. The P is silent.
1: Are you going first or are you going second?
0: <laughs> you go first. <laughs> is this I'm, a real title or is it <laughs> fake?
1: I'm going to say it is Well, see, he's got me on this Because this is very benign Who's the
0: author? Oh, the author? uh, I don't know, it's cut off
1: It's it's very benign I may have forgotten
0: to put it on there
1: I think it's real, because it's so benign It's not overtly sexual, so I'm going to say benign Okay. Oh, it's sexual.
2: <laughs> no, right, but it's not like it's, it's not Liam it's not, Neeson taking. It's, it's, it's not wet, not. wild summer in Stegosaurus Land. Yeah, so. but it's like woman sees pterodactyl on the beach. It's like oh, right, but a the tidal. pterodactyl. Right, but the t-
1: <laughs> but the title is not over... I'm going to say it's real. I'm
2: going to say it's real too.
0: <laughs> that is a real book. Uh! That is a real book taken by a pterodactyl. Tell me more of these we
1: have because we're tied.
0: uh, Oh, you're keeping score. this this is going to be the the tiebreaker, possibly. Okay, or you you both uh, you settled for for a point. Okay. Uh, So the last title is this a real dinosaur erotica novel? Is Dino Park After Dark? By Christine Sims. It's a whole to new Night at the Museum. <laughs> <laughs> Dino Park After Dark. Boy, that Brachiosaurus is just like, huh? He's getting around. Oh, I thought you were going to say another word. <laughs> <laughs> leave that one alone. too. There are so many jokes not taken. Go ahead, what do you got? Uh, so I don't. I'm trying to evaluate this thing. Justin Bradford. Dino so Park. Dino gonna... Park After Dark. I by mean, Christine a, a, Sims.
2: After Dark. You know. Stuff happens, like especially in the formerly known as Twitter after dark. Uh-huh. That was always a fun time on the oh, internet. Especially when hockey games are going a little overtime. Oh <laughs> yeah, <That was> good. <laughs> hockey porn. Yeah, it was good. It was good stuff. Sorry, now it's X after dark. Whatever. I'm going to always be Twitter. Sir. Always be Twitter. I'm going to go real.
0: Okay, he believes. He believes. I think I, it's
1: too easy. I'm going to uh, because Dino of the Twitter after, after the Twitter after dark. Twitter after dark. I'm going to. I'm going
0: to go. I'm going to go fake. Dino Park After Dark is a fake book oh, that I yeah. made up. So, <laughs> Jeremy Gover wins the, <laughs> the Dino Erotica Prize. Just,
2: I don't want to oh, see I, the trophy. I don't want to know what that is. <laughs> no, just be aware you're going to get some packages at the front of the
0: door that Jim's sending you, and you have to open them on camera. Yes. And everybody who's listening to this podcast or watching it on YouTube, your algorithm is now going to get real interesting. (laughs) Because I want to see what
2: the real covers look like. That's the thing for me.
0: You've been listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast or possibly watching it on YouTube. I am Jim Chandler. I'm Justin Bradford. I'm shocked. (laughs) I'm Jeremy K. Gover.
2: UntitledFilmProjectPod.com Follow us, like us, subscribe. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project Podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association.
0: Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.